Improving health literacy, the ability to understand and act on health information, is key to improving health outcomes and lowering costs. Welcome to the Health Literacy 2.0 podcast, the podcast series from EdLogix where we talk with business, HR, health, and community leaders and explore unique, data-driven, and effective behavior-changing solutions that can help improve people's health literacy and increase their engagement with health and wellness programs. For show notes and bonus resources, visit www.edlogix.com forward slash podcast. Okay, let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast on health literacy and workforce well-being. I'm Seth Serksner, Chief Health Officer at EdLogix, and I'm really happy today to be here with David Hoke, who has been an industry colleague of mine for many years. We've not actually worked in the same company, but I feel like I've worked with David for a long time. Uh, We know each other pretty well. Over the years, we've gotten to have some good conversations. But David, welcome. And if you would, for the audience's benefit, talk a little bit about your career path and your role today. Well, great. Well, first of all, Seth, thanks for having me here today. It's a pleasure, as always, to speak with you. And I've been in it a long time. You've been someone we've always looked up to. So thanks for your ongoing leadership in this space and the opportunity to talk about it. So I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. I'm a true believer. That's how I got into the industry. And I spent the vast majority of my time inside big employers doing worksite well-being, right? I started my career really focused, like most of us did, on how do you save money on healthcare, right? And it grew over time as we began to understand more broadly how to influence human behavior. And so, you know, I worked for companies like American Express early on. I've worked for DuPont. I've worked for utility companies that do electric generation and transmission. So every industry and the things that I found that are constant is a couple of things. We are more alike than different. You know, our differences really matter, but as humans, we're more alike than different. We all struggle with the same things, you know, and so the course of my career has always been about how do we help people be engaged to get the right outcomes to help them live their best life. And that journey's taken me, you know, through where my last big employer role was at Walmart. I was at Walmart for nine years where I led associate health and well-being. I also partnered on the customer side there. I worked for Yum Brands, which is KFC, Taco Bell, Pizza Hut doing health and wellness work in China and India and SOPAC. So David, you can't keep a job? What's happening here? I cannot keep a job, (laughs) which is why we've never worked together, because you were very steady. So that's kind of been the arc of my career. When I left Walmart, I worked for Thrive Global, which is Ariana Huffington's company, focused on kind of emotional health and well-being and burnout. And I left that about a little bit less than a year ago to join a company called Right Move. And there we're focused on musculoskeletal health and kind of what I would call a different way, which I'll bore you with in a second. But I'll pause there to see if you have any questions for me. I mean, I so appreciate that arc and all kidding aside, you've worked with and contributed to so many companies. You've been a leader. I know you actually through the business group on health, some of the institutes. So you've been a big leader in the industry. I really appreciate your comments that are, I think what we're moving to is a humanistic view, right? That, you know, we are more alike than different and that we do share these very foundational issues and that we're all wanting in a way the same things. And we want to help people have better lives and overcome some of these challenges, whether they're physical or mental. And you've been in so many different settings. I'm so curious now, and we've talked about kind of how you've been navigating. So talk about this new place you're in and this company called Right Move. Yeah, Right Move Health. Yeah. So it's interesting. People have said that feels different. Like you were an employer's driving employee well-being, and now you're jumping to a musculoskeletal company. Why would you do that? And so here's how I would say that. As, as first of all, Right Move grew out of a 
the number one ortho hospital in the world, the Hospital for Specialty Surgeries in New York. And so what's interesting though, is when we think about helping people live better lives, we always talk about health habits in a silo. Let's get someone to quit smoking. Let's get someone to lose weight. Listen, but we know they're interconnected, right? We live one life, not six different lives. And movement is foundational. I'm not talking about running a marathon. I'm not even talking necessarily about getting 150 minutes of CDC recommended exercise a week. This could just be picking up my grandkids, playing golf, whatever it might be. It brings me joy. It's foundational. And the challenge is always, how do you scale habit formation? And what I said was, oh, look, MSK pain is ubiquitous. 50% of America has an issue at any given point in time. The other 50% will, or we know someone that does. So it's ubiquitous. And in order to get habit formation, you have to have an anchor. Pain and discomfort's a great anchor. And so if we can use that to get you started on a path to overall well-being, it's a great way to habit stack onto that. So it really drew me to that. So David, two things. One, just in case people don't know, MSK means musculoskeletal. Thank you for that. We're talking back pain, knee pain, hip pain, neck, all that stuff. So just to make sure people know that. But let me challenge you a second here, because I like the anchor thing. I personally have had back pain throughout my life, different times. I'm not a hugely religious guy, but I prayed to God that if I ever got over this, I would exercise or do whatever for the rest of my life. And we all know that that fades pretty quickly when the anchor goes away. So talk to me about how you keep the anchor or switch anchors or your thoughts on this. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, well, so this is about shifting this from a, by the way, my dad was in the military. You know, they used to call that a foxhole, foxhole religious, right? But when you think about this, healthcare, like in the example you gave, is usually treated transactionally. It's a lily pad approach, right? I hurt today, I don't hurt, then I come back and do it again. We have never created an emotional connection across that. So take this and how do we relate that back pain to the rest of your life? How do we not you, not you as the consumer, but we as the provider. How do we understand that this back pain is impacting your life so that you can't go hiking, you can't go skiing? And we begin to work with you, putting your back pain in the context of your life. So you don't see us as someone that's whacking the back pain. You see us as someone who's actually contributing to you being able to do things that you love to do. Not just today, but tomorrow. Because part of that conversation should be, hey, Seth, you know why you had the back pain? Well, let's make sure you don't get it again right? And by the way, if you got a big trip planned up, if you let us know, we should be able to provide you training tips and tools to be most prepared for that so you don't hurt your back when you go skiing and uh, fill in the blank. So to me, that's what's interesting is Right Move does two things really well out of this hospital. One is rapid diagnosis. Like, so when your back starts to hurt, you don't take ibuprofen and a hot pad for a couple of weeks and then go to the doctor. We can have these really highly trained PTs that can figure out what's the matter in 45 minutes. So you know what's the matter. And then they can point you to the treatment path. And we're treatment agnostic. If it's dry needling, dry needling it is. If it's massage, massage it is. If it's PT, we can solve that too, right? But if it's go to see a specialist, we'll send you there. This is about getting a rapid answer for you and sending you on the best treatment path so you get better faster. And I would argue if someone did that for you, don't you feel an emotional connection to them that you didn't feel when you just showed up and they gave you a couple of pills and went away? So let's keep building on this for a second. So many people have tried to tackle MSK in different ways, and there's some great, you know- Oh, great solutions. In space, for sure. So to your point, this reminds me of another company called Kumanu that does well-being and thinks about purpose as, quote, the anchor. 
it seems to me that you're doing in a way the same thing saying, well, why the heck do you want to get your back better in the first place? So it's not just about this lily pad, so to speak. It's about the whole thing. So how's that play in this? Yeah, I I think that's exactly right. One of the things I learned most at Walmart and through my time at Yum Brands, especially internationally, was in the US, we are so myopically obsessed with healthcare. You know, especially when we're in the industry, we think about healthcare cost and utilization, that we lose sight that the people consuming healthcare is not transactional to them. You have never had a healthcare experience that was transactional for you as the consumer. It's always emotional, right? What do we know about habit formation? You and I have talked about this before. We are emotional beings, not rational beings. Like we go to work and try to pretend we're rational, but all of our decisions are emotionally driven. That's what purpose does. We know that purpose We know that inspiration and aspiration are the key drivers of influence. So how do we begin to imbue inspiration, aspiration, purpose into this moment when you have a need and you're more vulnerable and open to susceptible and to taking it, right? And then that's part of the hook for us. I want to create an ecosystem around this, not just at one point in time. The word anchor, I think you've said something different. And I would use, like you say, the hook or the door or the you know, the quote, teachable moment, all that stuff, my emotional vulnerability moment. So I came to you and now it's your turn to connect the dots for me. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. And what oftentimes, at least from the employer perspective, is they feel like this solution is separate from all the other provider things. How are you viewing this as not just another quote point solution? Yeah, great question. There are actually two pieces that I think, and having said on the employer side a lot, one is how do you get people to actually participate because they invest a lot and no one does anything, right? And then the second is just another thing on the shelf. So what's interesting is let's use, we have this 45-minute initial analysis we have done. So anybody who has a problem, we have these advanced trained PTs, physical therapists, who in 45 minutes after going through specialty training can pretty much tell you what the problem is. And I said before, we're agnostic about where you go from there. So let's say you have a COE, a center of excellence program, and you don't want to send somebody to there who doesn't need surgery. So you send them through a, what we call first move assessment. And we say, oh, Seth, you would benefit from surgery. David, guess what? You actually wouldn't. We're going to send you here. Well, we've helped David get on track faster and saved the company a necessary trip. That's one way. Maybe you have an existing MSK solution, right? And you say, hey, I already got a partner there. Well, we can try to channel people more rapidly into that solution that are most appropriate for it. So that kind of quarterbacking almost around the musculoskeletal space would be really important for people to maximize their investments because it'll make sure we get more people in. And when we get them in, they would most benefit from that service. It makes sense to me. I've always been faced with the challenge that people need to know about it. So now I'm on the kitchen floor, (laughs) right, crawling. Who do I call? Do I call my health plan? Do I remember to call Right Move? My focus at Walmart and now now is really on engagement. But I would say engagement has four pieces. It's not just one piece. It has acquisition, yes. it has conversion, it has adherence, and it has retention. Acquisition's the first piece. And so I have to meet a patient before they're a patient. So we are applying what I believe is we have to apply a lot of consumer-facing strategies and get the messaging right ahead of time so that when you're in that moment of need, we're already in your consideration space. And, and I think there's a lot of ways to do that. Some of it's framing though. It's not about saying, we're here when you're hurt, break this when you're hurt only. Right. It's like emergency care. It's more like we're here to take care of you in your life. And here's how that's relevant around anything you're doing movement-wise. Like I would love nothing more. I know you're a skier. That for you to think about us when you're thinking about ski season coming up, 
even if you've never had any pain. And you know that we can help you that way by giving you some resources. Yeah. I do have other questions, but one thing that I do want to ask is this assessment, the first move, I think you called it, is a PT, but we talk so much about emotion and, you know, purpose and other things. Is the assessment purely a MSK type assessment or are they doing a little bit of like, but what do you care about in the world, David? And like, who's meaningful and why bother getting your back you know, that's included in the process, right? So that's part of the process. I mean, next year, if I can, I might hook you up to experience when I'd love to get your feedback on it. I have to tell you, when we talk about it, it's one thing when you see it in action, it is the best healthcare experience (laughs) I've ever personally witnessed in my life, right? I was like, holy cow, how did they get that out of that, right? So it is about connecting it to your broader life, but it's important for us to deliver on that promise after that visit though, too. And so it is about the company being connected and convinced that this focus on consumer experience and overall consumer health and well-being is core to who we are. And Marcus Osborne, our CEO, has said from the beginning, this is a three-legged stool. It's the clinical team has to be excellent. The product team has to be excellent. And we have to serve the customer better than anybody else. And that's why I came, because I think that's absolutely true in healthcare. Yeah. And that's a good fit. So let me segue slightly. You know that I am also very much about health equity and health literacy as a path to health equity and engagement, frankly. And when I talk about health literacy, I talk about a shift from old school 1.0 that's kind of brochure and boring and maybe a doc drawing a picture of my knee and, you know, to your point about MSK to a 2.0 that uses behavioral science and gamification to help people stay engaged and adult learning games and all that good stuff, data to really personalize the experience and make it relevant for me, including the type of media that I want. And multimedia, everybody's learning by video, they're learning with infographics, some people like deep content. So taking those three things, building it into a platform, Edlogix does that, other people may do that as well, but The idea that health literacy, only one in 10 people, at least in the US, are health literate and proficient in navigating the system. CDC's just created uh, Healthy People 2030 goals around health literacy, personal goals to be confident and knowledgeable. And yet, I'm not seeing any action. (laughs) I know it's hard for companies. They think maybe it's the health plan, maybe it's the provider, maybe it's not MSK solution per se, where do you see health literacy coming into the ecosystem of overall health and well-being? Yeah. I actually think the way you describe health literacy, Seth, is how I would describe the quote-unquote engagement funnel. I think part of engagement, if I think about, I said acquisition was the front of that. Yes. In order for me to acquire someone, they have to understand something about the topic itself, right? Broadly, healthcare, irregardless of what the specific areas, whether it's musculoskeletal, whether it's chronic health condition, diabetes, understanding kind of just in general about health. I don't think we do the first mile enough. We jump to the expert model where we just immediately start talking about all the details, right? We don't go where people are, which is way before that. Let me give you an example if I could. Let's use nutrition as an example. I like to say many times you can't go zero to vegan in 60 days. And yet almost every time someone enters the healthcare system and talk about nutrition, the first thing we do is we give them this very prescriptive place to start. We don't think about where they are. 
Now, yeah. most Americans are obese, we're eating hyper-processed foods, we're drinking six sodas, and we're eating in our car on the way to the next event, right? That's a long way from where that nutritionist even starts. I think health literacy has to move much farther upstream to account for where people are today and make it doable to begin to move in the right direction. I actually think getting that first mile covered creates momentum to draw them into the rest of it. I think we're great. I think we are fantastic at giving you deep knowledge when you're ready for it, but we're awful at making sure you're ready for it. Yeah, really appreciate that. We try to think about health literacy in this new version as your daily Wordle. You know, I don't know if people know about Wordle, but it's a little like crossword puzzly game that many of us are addicted to these days. And we only do it because it's kind of fun. It's challenging, but I end up usually solving. <laughs> and now there's a health literacy quasi Wordle. It's called the health scratch is what they do. And they ask you a question. And so it's kind of a fun thing. And now I'm acquired. Now I'm in. And now I'm poking around about my MSK or my mother-in-law's problem or brown nutrition that I'm, you know, would love to get better at. I think the hard part to me, like, I love the idea, the same thing I'm saying, right? But the challenge we face is bigger than a bread box. Like, it's really hard, like, to find the edges, right? It's like the universe, <laughs> you know, because everybody's entry point slightly different. Everybody's language is slightly different, culturally semantically. And I think that's the hardest point. You know, like I have a daughter who's addicted to Wordle. I got another one who's not addicted to Wordle, right? And right. You know, I'm like, okay, well, you know, some get it, some don't. So it's like, how do we create the right onboarding step yes. to get as many people as possible, you know, that I believe in more than anything else, which is peer-to-peer -peer influence, right? And so to me, it would be as we're getting people into your health scratch, how do you not just let the health scratch be the acquisition tool, but how do you let the people who love health scratch influence other people to come into Health Scratch. And this is where I really believe a lot of this is about creating the right kind of atmosphere for a movement. That's the other thing we don't do, I don't think a great job of in healthcare is we don't, we don't define the enemy. You know, in this case, the enemy is health literacy, call it what you want. How are you going to help me beat that, David? Because, you know, we know each other. You're going to say, listen, there's a big problem. You probably know people that are impacted by this. My mom is impacted by that. If you did this Health Scratch thing with me, we solved the problem. I think that's true across a lot of healthcare. We don't apply those consumer acquisition strategies to this problem. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. And I think maybe you and I were in some of the sessions that really talked about communication shifting from campaigns to creating a movement yes. and how you do that. And I, I really do think that that's what we need. We need some movements here, peer-to-peer. -peer. And entry points are vary for people. So you could imagine someone going on a health education, health literacy platform because they have back pain, trying to learn about it, and then going, oh, that's right, and get a PT right now. Yeah, click. Yeah, boom. Oh, I have mental health issues. Boom, I can go to this, you know, provider for that. So, or the other way, right? I go through my first move, and that therapist says, "Hey, by the way, you know, you might want to go over there and check this out. It'll help you figure out how to navigate that better when you're going to X, Y, Z." Yeah, you can get a little more broad education on the whole musculoskeletal system, yeah. Yeah. as yeah. well as how nutrition impacts that and, and mental health, health. and yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Great stuff. Well, David, you know, you and I have had many conversations and we go late into the night where we're just hanging out. We've covered a lot of ground. I've really appreciated it. We move from, you know, the whole idea of being more human, which I think is foundational. That's that consumer experience piece, helping people live their best life and understanding that if they're in pain, they can't live that. So let me talk to you about the life you want to live as the reason to maybe take care of this, not just moment to moment, but ongoing and really scaling that. 
what do you want to emphasize or what did we miss in our conversation, do you think? Oh, I think I try to put a bow on two things. One is this idea that it doesn't matter what segment of healthcare we're trying to address. We're all in this thing together. We need to coalesce around that. This is a universal problem, regardless of whether you're dealing in oncology or you're dealing in nutrition or you're dealing in musculoskeletal or you're dealing in mental health. This is a universal issue. And I think the idea that we can all begin to apply humanistic principles, this idea of purpose to use Vic's stuff, right? Or the idea of inspiration, aspiration, and peer, the idea of creating movements just more broadly toward better health, right? Is what I would love to see us coalesce around, you know? I've chosen this platform of musculoskeletal just because it's so broad, you know? I think we're all about impact. We've talked about that before. So how can we reach as many people as possible? But I could just as easily be saying the same thing about a very narrow area. It doesn't matter. We're all trying to solve the same problem, which is how do we humanize healthcare? How do we get people farther upstream to get access to things that can help them earlier before it becomes debilitating? How do we reward that in a way that creates a healthier society where people can live the best version of themselves, whatever that may be for them? Nice bow. Appreciate that. I do take away the idea to remind us that things are emotionally based and that we're making decisions in the heat of the moment, in emotion, in pain, and we need to think about support and the best way to handle that. So thank you for that. Thank you for all your comments. Thank you for your leadership. I wish you the best. Thanks again for your time. Thanks everyone for listening. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us today on the Health Literacy 2.0 podcast, the podcast series from EdLogics, where we talk with business, HR, health, and community leaders and explore unique, data-driven, and effective behavior-changing solutions that can help improve people's health literacy and increase their engagement with health and wellness programs. Remember, for show notes and bonus resources, visit www.edlogics.com forward slash podcast. We'd love it if you subscribe and share the show with your colleagues. Thanks and see you soon.